Welcome to episode 25 of Communicast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond, a global communication skills training organization. In this episode, I'm talking with Anish Majumdar, career coach and hidden job market expert. Check out the episode to get Anish's perspective on the listen, learn, help approach, the importance of qualifying questions, and what you can learn from Marlon Brando about effective communication. I hope you enjoy. Anish, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Scott. Absolutely. Well, to get us started, maybe just tell the listeners out there a little bit about yourself, your journey, and really what it is that you're working on today. I am a uh, career coach. I've been one for uh, over 12 years. I was a uh, journalist uh, and an actor before that, so I had a kind of a long and winding road to get here. I've helped so far, me and my team, over 2,000 people. I'm, a, I'm an expert in what's called the hidden job market, so uh, which we can talk about, but, but what I really specialize in is helping people who are at some form of crossroads in their career, whether it's, you know, they're unhappy with the type of role they have, they're curious about maybe, you know, moving into a different industry, maybe they're a mom re-entering the workforce. What I do is, I, my team and I, we kind of intervene at that moment, and rather than saying, look, instead of doing what most people do, which is they kind of throw their hat in the ring and they say, hey, let me just see what's out there, what the postings are, let me just make the best based on what's there, we specialize in taking a different approach to say, hey, let's really leverage this. Let's say, hey, what is your actual market worth here? And instead of simply relying on these job postings, which by the way, account for a very small percentage of the roles and opportunities out there, we specialize in teaching people a different way of doing it, a different way of building the relationships, branding themselves, so they can plug in to a much deeper pool of real opportunities for them on their terms and hopefully do all of this in a way that isn't nerve-wracking and anxiety-inducing and insecurity-inducing, uh, but hopefully in a way that truly is empowering and en- enables you to feel that the business of getting something better is actually an important, valid, necessary part of my career, not just this horrendous detour I somehow have to get through. You know, So, so long answer, but you know, it, it's something I've also experienced as a job seeker myself, so it, it is something I'm really passionate about, which is doing my best to, to sort of open people's eyes that there really is a different way to do all of this. Outstanding. And how did you make that transition from journalist and actor over into career coach? Completely by accident. Uh, You know, I would say, you know, for me, the the bolt out of the blue as an actor, similarly as a writer, as a journalist, it came from a moment of inspiration where it's like, you know, like maybe many people, I had a vision of of which way I wanted it to go. I'm going to be honest with you, Scott, there was absolutely no inspiration whatsoever in my in my path as a career coach. What there was, was for the first time in my life, I remember sitting on the phone with a 54 year old architect who was supposedly there as a client. But basically, he was telling me I've spent 20 years working at one company, doing amazing work, keeping my head down. Now I feel like an absolute fool for that because I am old. I don't know how to conduct a job search. I feel out of date. I have no equity here. What am I going to do? And it was the first moment in my life where it wasn't actually about me and my ego Mm -hmm. and my dreams. And it was actually about, hey, you know what? There's something fundamentally wrong here about our system. If you can spend, a a good man, a good woman can spend their whole life working the way that they should, only to be treated like a bum because you you have the indignity of going out for a job. So I I made a promise to myself that moment. I didn't have a system at that point. I had no idea whether you could or you couldn't, but I was willing to throw my hat in the ring to say, if it costs me everything, I'm going to see, I'm going to see if there is an end to end here that is, has been kept from us, something that is better. That started me on a path more from necessity and need 
to do something about it. Oh, that's interesting. And I would imagine these services are pretty helpful right now in a job market where there is a big wave of employees that are just had enough, ready to move on, the great resignation, the great reshuffle, whatever you'll call it. And then also now with the wave turning a little bit with employers anticipating what may be coming in the economy and starting to do some downsizing, things like that. So I'd imagine there's a lot of folks that are in a position very similar to what you just described. They've been somewhere for a while and they're probably a little nervous about what's going on. And I think being able to tap into what you call that hidden job market is is really powerful rather than just the old post and pray mentality for both employers as well as employees or job seekers where they're just putting a resume out there and fingers crossed, hopefully the algorithm will pick it up and and I'll maybe I'll get an interview or something like that. This is where, you know, I think our speaking is is so incredibly important on this topic because I don't think people understand that communication and behavior, really studying that, right, is the biggest determiner of, of moving people, quality people to offers that they otherwise would not have had. People get stuck up in thinking that it's a, an analytical and a head game. I'm not saying that there's not a part of that. Yes, there mm -hmm. is a part of that. But when, when employers are human beings and the decisions that we make about whether I work with you, Scott, or not, fundamentally, if you understand that there are human dynamics here that you can influence, there are communication dynamics and signals that you can and should be putting out here that will mean the difference between me looking at you as a either just a transactional job seeker who is in some sense lower than me and I, I i would be doing you a favor quote unquote you know by doing you a job so that's you as a optional person versus you same person same skills but someone who actually understands there's a way that you can talk to me as an equal there's a way that you can actually talk to me that isn't about pitching with all due respect, the moronic things that we're taught about, hey, tell me about a job five years ago. Why do I care, Scott? I don't mm -hmm. care. I, I, I care about what I'm dealing with, right? Is there a way that you can talk to me that way? Because there is. And, and that's communication. That's behavior. That can be taught and that can be implemented by everyone. And not to take business out of our own hands, anyone listening to this can get started on this path of getting better outcomes using these principles. They are free mm -hmm. and available to all, you know? Absolutely. That's a, it's a really good segue to something I wanted to chat with you about is, you know, from your seat, not only as the experience as a journalist and an actor, but also now as a career coach, helping people navigate this, really getting you know, in the door, getting offers, you know, communication, as you just mentioned, can play a huge part of that make or break somebody's opportunities in a job search. So from your view, what does it mean when you hear that somebody's a great communicator, that they're a strong communicator? I had a lot of different answers, probably like many of us, uh, like as my life, you know, progressed, you know, as an actor, mm -hmm. I'm sure I had a different uh, answer for it. Nowadays, the answer that rises up the most is someone who can remove their own ego and their own priorities out of the equation as much as possible to speak to what truly concerns their audience and to understand that, especially when it comes to a job search, the one of the biggest, biggest false is because it's so personal because we have so much wrapped up in this we bef we cannot look at the situation clearly we cannot say oh there's two or three pain points here that I need to address very, very simply. I need to identify them. We say, oh, but I got this MBA. I got to, I got to promote that. Oh, but I got five years in, in this company that I kind of un underperformed in, but I got to make sure that that's accurately represented. Everything gets twisted through the lens of what I need to communicate to you, what I want to pitch, what I want to present to you. If 
in those moments, you can say the, the, the courageous play is to listen. The courageous play is to say, can I listen? Can I learn? Can I help? And can I do my best to keep my mouth shut until I understand a little bit more of what the lay of the land is? To me, that is the heart, the heart of the next level of high-level communication and true true greatness, you know, listening when other people feel this, this deep urge to speak and pitch and present. Because I understand that at the end of the day, when I'm talking with you, you taking one step forward, I can take 50 steps forward here, okay? But in, in my path, so can you. That's not the goal of this conversation. The goal of this conversation is for you, if you take one step forward, that is worth my 50. That is actually worth more than that 50. That's what I would say to me is what it has, has, has been the hallmark of, of those who I think can weaponize communication towards outcomes that are, that are beneficial. I love it. You know, this idea of really taking the ego out of communication and ultimately focusing in on the other person. You know, how can I help you? What problems are you trying to solve? And if we think specifically about hiring somebody or the job interview process, the reason they're hiring somebody is they have a problem, right? They're, they're trying to solve some sort of problem. They're looking for somebody that can best do that. Mm -hmm. So those two approaches you mentioned, I can come in and just rattle off all my accomplishments, my degrees, my certifications, my experience, whatever. But if I take that time to really ask thoughtful questions that are focused on you and what you're trying to accomplish, and then really listen, because if you ask a good question, you're going to typically get some good stuff back in return mm -hmm. and then tailor your responses throughout that interview process really to what you've heard that they're trying to accomplish. You know, what are the two, two or three biggest goals or responsibilities or things for this job? And then I want to think through my career, my experience, and how can I relate it back to those things? That's here's, 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 a, here's, a, here's a little way to stack on what you're saying here, which mm -hmm. is just a, a way to visualize it. Um, instead of thinking, okay, I'm going to go in there, I'm slide that resume over, and, and we're going to talk about, about my career. Think of it like this, where uh, in the first couple of minutes, I want to establish some rapport. I want to maybe start, instead of, instead of starting with something having to do with my background, maybe I start with, you know, a big, broad question, something along the lines of, listen, you know, in 2022, tell me about, you know, what's going to make this year a success for you and your team? Like, what, what, what is it? Like, what's, what's key? Uh, what I want to do is I want to focus on uncovering um, through my questions, and I want to give you the ability to essentially see a mirror here where, where as an equal, I'm not on the payroll with you, right? But I am a professional in my own way. Mm -hmm. What I'm doing is I'm, as, as I'm saying, look, let's look at what you're, what you, what you've got going on. Let me see if I can understand the lay of the land. Take, this is true for all job seekers. Take the idea of me talking with you for an immediate payoff off, uh, off the table. Okay. If we move into an offer, great. If we don't, I couldn't care less. What I want to know about is can I, can we exchange value here through communication through that? Can I, and if I can help you here, fantastic. The idea here is, uh, set it up so that you're having an uncover situ uh, uh, dialogue so that you can then align. If it makes sense, you can align what you do, what you solve through the lens of the pain that you know is there. Because if you do that, now you have a different ballgame. Now you actually have leverage in the situation. What leverage do you have, Scott, if, if you never get beyond the job posting, for example, which most of the time, dirty secret, is BS anyway. I'm not going to give you my... I'm not going to tell you what's going on. I'm going to share confidential company information with Monster and Indeed. What are you kidding me? 
right? So I'm mm -hmm. usually cribbing it from other things. So tell me how, how much respect am I going to have for you and your vaunted communication skills if you never as an expert got beneath the surface level, right? You never understood. You always played my surface level game and you mm -hmm. never had the courage, the intelligence, or the strategy to do something deeper. So yeah, of course, if I pass on you, I'm passing on a candidate. Now, if I pass on you based on pain that's been uncovered, now it's a different thing because I'm no mm -hmm. longer just passing on Scott. I'm passing on the identified path of potentially solving this in a way that I couldn't. That will keep me up at night. That will eat me up. That's what mm -hmm. you need. That's what every job seeker needs is some real leverage. And, and I would say the goal of every single interview, the first interview, is this and only this. Not to be polite, not to be a best candidate. You don't know if you're the best candidate. Mm -hmm. Your job is to identify what is really going on here. No one wants to hire anyone. They're, they have it because they're their back is up against the wall. If you don't understand that, you have no business being there. That is the only thing by hook or by crook that you need to be focused on. It's not a complicated game if you understand what is really going on here. Yeah, and I think it's important for candidates really to understand, you kind of mentioned that when, when somebody's going through the hiring process on the employer side, that's a big decision, right? That oftentimes, you know, their career can be on the line based on how they're hiring. Are they hiring the right people? Because for organizations, Oftentimes it can be a big expense, whether from lost productivity, if they're having to pay outsourcing recruitment fees, things like that. So people are nervous about hiring. So when you can come in there and understand their pain points, their challenges, and have a conversation around how you can help them solve for that, it's, it's going to put them at ease, make them feel that much more confident in doing that. And one of the skills that kind of segues into uh, really the next thing I wanted to talk about was you know, skills that really are important. We talked a little bit about listening. One of the things that you hit there uh, just a second ago that is, I think, equally as important is questioning. Yes. The types of questioning, questions that you have. And I think especially in this interview process, very similar to if I think of a sales process, not waiting until the end of the interview to ask questions. <laughs> at that point, it's too yes. late. Yes. The game's over at that point, typically. Yes. No, 100%. 100%. I, I, think, I think we wait too long because we have this idea that you know if i'm in a hiring process or exactly as you said it could be you could be talking with an internal recruiter you could be talking with the head of a company and i, I do think that more people should give themselves license to have more of those types of conversations i think we mm -hmm. get intimidated you know by that but really you know we in some sense give employers too much credit for having all of the answers you know mm -hmm. they they don't have all the answers they have some idea of the certainly the problems uh and they have an idea of the fact that they need to bring in new blood, new ways of doing it. Beyond that, there's such susceptibility, you know, susceptibility because, you know, and we see this judging by the stats, for 38% of the time, the person who is quote unquote, the most obviously qualified on paper gets the role, right? So mm -hmm. the vast majority of the time, what's going on here? Additional value is being expressed. A national connection is being had, right? At some point in this process, it stops being about me vetting you and 10 other people. And it's me understanding, hey, you know what? Scott has a process here. You know, he's not just he's not just a marketer or an operations ma manager or skills trading. He's thought this through enough to say, okay, he's been around the block enough to know there's a way that he can use his tech to grow this company forward. There's in, in essence a Scott mm -hmm. process that he's moving yep. forward. If you can start thinking in that way, that will really really help, and it'll help inform a lot of the questions you can ask earlier in the process. One of the most powerful ways any candidate can communicate 
powerful expertise in, in, in the interview is to have what, what is called qualifying questions. What does that mean? Don't just go in there thinking about, hey, I need to be the best. What markers do you have? I worked with a client who told me, Anish, one of the major things I, I want, I just spent five years getting overpaid working in a company filled with uncool people. I'm like, what do you mean uncool? He explained it. He had a very clear rationale. So at some point in any hiring discussion, he has a couple of vetting questions that are like, hey, tell me specifically about how you handle this with your team. Tell me about the dynamics there. Tell me about, hey, what was the retention level like after this year of massive challenge, right? He's asking questions that are designed to also feed into his understanding of whether or not you have what it takes because you're only one person, right? And you have one process, let's say. There's 50 million employers, but who cares? What you're looking for is is quality. What you're looking for is people who know the right way versus the wrong way. There is few more powerful things you can do in a situation than someone is thinking you're going to come in subservient and doing that. And it's very clear, buddy, you've been around the block. You know what works, you you don't, and you understand the fraudster companies from those who, who understand. That is one of the most powerful underutilized things people are not doing in terms of these questions that they are asking. It is not just about finding out innocuous information that is at this company. It is about sending a message, sending a clear understanding that when I'm speaking with Scott, I need to have my serious shoes on here. I can't mess around here. I have a limited amount of time and he understands that there is a right and a wrong way. If you don't have that, you have nothing when you're in that room. Anish, that's fantastic. As I think of you know, my career journey, you know, the, I've been with my current company, Communispawn, for about five years now. Mm. Our company, I was there for a little over 10 years. And as I hit that 10-year mark, I was ready for a change. And I started to make that list, like the checklist of things in my head. What am I looking for in my next opportunity and specifically the next company and the people that I work with? So I had that list. And as I was going through the interview process for a couple of different places, to your point, I was asking questions that would help me uncover, is this thing going to help me check this box? So one of the things I was looking for was getting to a smaller organization with less bureaucracy and less red tape so I can move quickly and have an impact. So starting to ask questions about how decisions are made or how new initiatives are rolled out or implemented during that process can kind of give me an idea of, okay, this company can be nimble. They don't get caught up in layer and layer of approval or slowing things down. So mm. I love this idea of if you're thinking of skills that are important, listening, which I think in any type of role is important, questioning not only the types of questions, but when you're asking those questions, and then really just the baseline of preparing. Mm -hmm. So not only researching the company, the job, all of that stuff, but preparing for what am I ultimately looking for in this opportunity? Is it going to be a good fit? And getting questions, as you mentioned, those qualifying questions that are going to relate back to that. That's fantastic. Yep. I, I think you absolutely, you know, hit the nail on the head. If there's a visual there, I would encourage everyone listening uh, to think almost like a doctor, you know, like when you're in the waiting room for, for a doctor, the doctor does not come in there. He might have his degrees or whatever, but he doesn't come in there talking about how qualified he is or all the, the treatments that he can do. What does he do? He, his authority is expressed through the intelligence of the questions that he has, the honesty with which he probes and how he assesses you. And you understand before you even went into that waiting room, how to be behave around that doctor. That's the power of mm -hmm. asking questions and drawing it out through an assessment thing. Psychologically, you know how to how to respond to that. You've been trained since you were mm -hmm. a child on that, you know, plug into that instead of thinking, oh, I have to make all of this up from scratch. 
So yeah, carrying on on that, that scenario of the doctor patient, right? If I go into my doctor and say, you know, doc, my, my, I'm getting these pains in my chest. What can you do for me? The doctor were to say, well, well you know, I had my, my medical degree from, from Stanford and I have this certification. I'm a pulmonary specialist. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And if he didn't ask me any additional follow-up questions before, you know, prescribing something, I would be really nervous. I would get up. I would leave that doctor's office. And the 100%. same thing- in that interview process, where if the interviewer just simply comes in and says, okay, you know, Anish, tell me what you can do for me. That's the point where I think a lot of people are nervous to pause and ask some questions up front so they can properly frame their response. Because uh -huh. if I start rattling off all these things throughout my career and nine out of 10 of them aren't relevant to the problems that that person is facing, I just wasted everybody's time. Agreed. So it's having that confidence say, well, you know what? I'm prepared to tell you all about my background today. But first, if you can maybe tell me, like what we were talking about earlier, what are some of the big priorities for this role or this department mm -hmm. in 2022, 2023? Mm -hmm. If they give you that, now I can pull for my career to talk about how I can help them with that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with with sharing information and, and volunteering it. Like, you know, what, one of the most powerful things I found, for example, in an interview is if I take a moment to ask you a couple of questions about beliefs and motivators, things that drive you beyond the paycheck, things that mm -hmm. uh, drive you, one of the most powerful things is I can use those as avenues, of course, to share aspects about what drives me. What what what? So so there's tons of ways that I that I can use these questions and strategically deploy information to further this. But I think where people get mistaken is thinking, look, for the vaunted privilege of an interview or a meeting with this person, it's not a tennis game. A tennis game is not you throwing ten tennis balls my way and, and and you back it's one one if it's not one then i'm gonna go to the court i'm gonna challenge you i'm gonna move left i'm gonna move right i'm gonna smack it at your face if i need to <laughs> we're, we're here to have it we're here to have a dialogue so the idea here is fine you're asking me what that's there it's give and take so if i'm giving you a piece of information about there sure i can i can tell you for example that over this last year many job seekers think a little bit like a consultant. If you've been, are you, have you been out of work for six months or have you been talking with business leaders for the last six months, getting inside information about your industry and doing that? I, I might be saying, look, here's what I've been doing because I've discovered that there's this massive problem that's going on in this industry. No one is talking to each other. We're all trying to grow. You're trying to do this. Absolutely no one is doing that. Your competitors, I've been talking here. Here's what I've been identifying. Here's what I would like to see if that's there. What do you think? So sharing a piece of information, but then flipping it over, giving the impetus mm -hmm. to say, is this relevant to you? Does this make sense? A, a big part of this goes back to what we were talking about, which is exactly using that, that doctor analogy. If you say, doc, I have this pain, whatever, as a doctor, as an expert, I'm happy that you cared enough about your health to make this appointment and set it up. But at the same time, as an expert, with all due respect, I'm going to be a little dubious about it because you're not a doctor, are you, right? Maybe you maybe you spent 10 minutes on WebMD. I couldn't care less about that. <laughs> yeah. I still have to move you through what? My process. Mm -hmm. I still have to see exactly what is going on. If you're BSing me, you better believe I'm going to challenge you. And that's, by the way, one of the most powerful things uh, um, someone interviewing can do. Exchanging value isn't just about sharing information. If you're laying out information, I'm like, Scott, I, I got to interrupt you here. You've told me five minutes ago that, that strategic priority X is the number one thing driving it. And you've told me right now in the same breath, you thought you let go of 25% of this workforce without this. That, that, that seems hypocritical to me. 
That mm-hmm. seems that does not seem like a healthy organization or that's someone who understands what is going on. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because that really concerns me. Guess mm-hmm. what? That's massive value, right? That's a mirror mm-hmm. that is being held up. Value can be exchanged in all of these ways, but um, what doesn't change is understanding that it, that when we're talking about what you specialize in, when we t- when we're talking about the things that you specialize in, it's not about you impressing me. You're the big dog here. Your opinion matters more than mine, obviously, when it comes mm-hmm. to what you specialize in. And don't ever lose that, you know, especially when you're in an interview, because that's the leverage also that you need, right? Until you understand what is really going on here, it is your leverage as an expert and my credibility based on your behavior, based on the signals that are going to keep me plugged in and give you the trust that you need to get this information that you need. If you don't have that, you have nothing, right? Um, yeah. So it's very, very clear always to, to just remember, give and take. Give and take. It's a it's a tennis match. And if someone's not giving it to you, sometimes people will stonewall, right? Mm-hmm. Um, don't just move on. Don't just keep going on to the next thing, right? If you're at a date and and you ask a question and someone basically borderline insults you, you're not going to move on to the appetizer and the thing. You're going to call that out. Mm-hmm. Tell me, why did we book this if it's not to investigate a solution to this problem, right? What would you like to to achieve here? Because I don't want to have a, 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 I didn't come in here to have a one-sided, one-hour monologue with you. I'm here right. to investigate with the 30 minutes that we have, now 25 minutes that we have. Can you tell me exactly what you were hoping to achieve here so we can better, you know, open mm-hmm. up this line? Be an expert, right? Have a little, own mm-hmm. the space in the room. Don't just keep yeah. your head down all the time. Yeah, I think coming out of, of an interview or if I think of this, a sales meeting really should feel more like you had a conversation dialogue rather than a one-sided interrogation. Right. You want that back and forth, asking questions and not being afraid to do to respectfully challenge people if you're hearing something that doesn't make sense. Right. If, if we're in a meeting with a client, they're talking about, you know, they value their people, they're really wanting to invest in them, they're developing them, but they don't offer any training or they don't do these resources, they're cutting all these budgets. There's a disconnect there. Same thing as you mentioned, you know, this is our number one priority, but we just cut 25% of the staff. To me, that would throw up a red flag and I would have some follow-up questions on that to really make sure is this is there validity to what they're telling me around what the priorities are. Exactly. And as you challenge that validity and you force me also to better understand and investigate this, which many leaders, by the way, they simply don't have the time. They're they're they've got 50 priorities, but they've they've never even spent 20 or 30 minutes in having mm-hmm. a conversation with someone like you to to cast a lens specifically in this area. When mm-hmm. you force me to do that, regardless of what answers I come up with. So I've had plenty of conversations that have been extremely difficult with with, with mm-hmm. job seekers, you know, because it's it's hard to do that. But, you know, I hang up that phone and the impression I have, take away the lack of the immediate good payoff of, oh, this is great. Fine. We're talking about something deeper, actually, because I'm going to hang up that phone and it's going to stick with me. And sometimes if unpleasant emotion, if if going through the muck and I don't know of a way where a company or an individual makes any meaningful progress where it stays nice and and tidy and non-awkward the whole Mm -hmm. time it just doesn't happen so what you want is them to after they leave a meeting with you you want 
what you've said and what you've stood for and the questions, most importantly, that you've dug into their mind, you want it burrowed in like that thing in the matrix. You want it working in them, working in them. You want them waking up at two, three in the morning. Oh my God, I thought that was a hopeless thing, so I was doing the best. It's clear now, Scott has made it very clear that this is a very clear solve. What am I gonna do? I'm just gonna sit on my heels here because what, it wasn't in the plans to bring on a new hire? When I started also look, re, re, you know, talking with, with people across the gamut, and realizing, hey, we can all help each other. I realized, oh my God, the business of, of structuring an offer around you, that's nothing, man. Enterprise spend, corporate spend, it's nothing. It's a drop in the mm -hmm. bucket, right? The, the, the challenge is this. The challenge is setting it up in the right way where I can see a little bit more of your magic and I can be like, dude, I, <laughs> you've, given me the, you've given me the drug. You know what I mean? I didn't realize it. I thought I was just having a thing, but you've made me an addict for, for this one way or the other, whether I can help you, work with you, collaborate with you, I owe you something through this, right? Yeah. This is the heart. This is the heart of not only, I would say, a successful job search, but long-term, um, gaining a little bit of mind share around who you are. You know, you don't need to have 50 million f followers on Twitter. You can have 500 of the right people on LinkedIn and mm -hmm. you can have a thriving, thriving career that is completely independent of any one company yeah. or industry. You know, we can do that now, which I, I find is... Is, is is one of the most encouraging and hopeful things about, you know, even though we this chaotic world that we live in, this is the time for um, courageous individuals because you, 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 you see the outsized power that you can have to just mm -hmm. chart your own life, you know, and, and do more of this your way. And it's always been, I found throughout my career, if you've ever been in a meeting, an interview, a sales meeting, and when you ask a question, if somebody just kind of leaned back and they go, huh. If you've got them to think, you have just immediately added value. So that's yes. really in any conversation dialogue you're having, whether it's an interview, just an internal meeting, you're trying to move something forward, sales meeting. If you've got to that point where somebody, you can tell that you've caused them to rethink something, you've added value and you're moving along in the right direction. Yeah, in a huge one. And as, as you think throughout your career journey, who has been someone that has really influenced your communication style or your approach to communications? And you know, really, what did you take from them and make your own? There were there. I, I've got two like sort of mini answers here for you that are uh, hopefully a little, I guess, a little unusual. One is actually an author, uh, Robert C. Aldini, who wrote this book, uh, Influence, which I still, that's one of my, you know, touchstone books, because it's really one of those things where the, I read it the first time. And after I, I finished reading it, I put it down. And, and since then, exactly like what we're talking about, the ideas kept working in me. And it, and it fundamentally changed the way I saw all of these dynamics around me. All of a sudden I could go into a grocery store and I can see, you know, the lady giving out the sausages and I can say, oh, okay, there's a principle of reciprocity that's going on here, right? There's a reason why she's doing this that makes it easier and much more uh, capable for me to consider buying those sausages to feed my kids today, right? And so when I started understanding that, what that book showed me allowed me to gain this deeper sort of broader level of context about, wow, there is influence going on if in a job context, there is this deeply multifaceted back and forth human thing that, that, that is going on between us and a negotiation, I guess, if you want to call it that, that happens from the very first moment you decide, you know, I'm interesting enough or, or we're interesting enough to get to know each other or, or, mm -hmm. or, or to investigate. So uh, that book definitely, you know, uh, has shaped and continues to shape, you know, my, my sort of worldview. The other one, um, you know, from my acting days, Marlon Brando said something which has always stuck with me and it's a good it's a good principle to think about when you're 
when you're thinking about, I would say, communication in general, he said, you know, one of the secrets to, you know, he changed film acting forever. One of the secrets mm -hmm. to great film acting, in his opinion, was no matter what you're feeling or what your take is or whatever, never go beyond the 85% mark in terms of what you project on the screen, right? In other words, that 15% that I could give to you now, that I choose to hold, because you know what? Again, for many other reasons, you don't need that right now. You're there. That 15%, it's not wasted. You can feel that which is reserved. You can feel that that there. And what it does is it's the difference on the screen between someone who is delivering a performance that is impressive, but ultimately leaves you somewhat unmoved, and someone who actually exactly like you said, makes you sort of lean in, makes you someone mm -hmm. say, what's, I'm not, I'm never getting the totality of what's here. There's always something valuable that is that is there. And I find that that is a very important principle that uh, in high stakes situations, I find forces me to stay uh, and keep the lines of listening open, you know, which is no matter how, how clear of a grasp I have, I just try to remember, okay, 15%. And I also try to remember to myself, um, I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm not an expert. I guess I've done it, but that none of that, I, I don't need the hat of my ego, right? I don't need the hat right. of in, in this moment, I'm here to listen. I'm here to learn. I'm here to help Scott. And hopefully have our sort of energies and our magic play a little bit. And no matter what happens, I want to remind you that, you know, you're, you're here having already climbed 50 million mountains, right? So what difference does this, does this hill make? You think we're not going to be able to climb this together? You've, you've beaten this, uh, you know, a million times over. Part of asking hard questions is also in a weird way showing deep respect for the person mm -hmm. that you're that you're talking because if I didn't think that you could do it if I didn't think that you guys could could absolutely make these critical necessary changes to survive and thrive right now I wouldn't I would patronize you I would say oh this is great but I'm not doing that because because I believe that there is a window here and I believe that should you you know, I can bring the horse to the water, but should you actually have those muscles and that strength, there will be an opportunity for you and your people to walk across the other side, you know? There's respect, there's a depth there, you know, in not going easy on someone. So the more you do a little bit of this work beforehand, and the more also I would say, take, you know, 15 to 20 minutes after an interview, after a meeting, that's one of the most valuable periods of time you can have. Use this time to jot down those notes and, and gain your recollections, uh, because that'll also help you in terms of holding a line, you know, as you're, as you're, as you're looking at the next step in the next so a bit of a long answer but yeah robert cialdini and that 15 percent. i always think yeah. about that you know never go to 100 you know you always always keep that that peace and reserve and have it working on your inside to have that internal life you know it uh for some reason it's always stuck with me and Ish, you definitely earned some points in my book i'm a huge marlon brando fan and actually i think behind me right there it's the godfather dvd box set oh, nice. um, yes <laughs> that's so, awesome yeah right so it is i always have that have that great storytelling in there just you know phenomenal movies but um you know i think that it's a really interesting point because that 15 percent to me is what takes it from feeling maybe like a performance uh -huh. to authenticity right when mm. you hold back that 15 percent, i think it's going to help authenticity come through rather than maybe just feeling like a performance in a job interview in a sales meeting if you're giving a speech so no, I, I really like that kind of holding it back a little bit to not feel like you're i don't say trying too hard but sometimes it can feel like somebody's putting on a show for you yes. when they go that full 100 or 110 percent so to speak 
you don't, you don't, you know, none of us have to be, you don't have to be perfect to improve your career. You don't have to be perfect to get in at any company that you're thinking of. It can and perhaps should be messy, you know, and, and mm -hmm. we can ramble, we can go off track and we can mess up and I can mess up too. But as long as the feeling uh, that is underneath there, as long as you also understand, hey, underneath there's a, there's something deep that is being forged here and there's a degree of integrity that I have every time I speak to Scott that I know goes deeper than just whatever the situation is. And mm -hmm. nothing is nothing is unforgivable. You know, I've been I've been lucky enough to be married for 13 years right now and it has nothing to do with how perfect I am. I I I get broken down to the studs all the time. It, it but in a in a joyous way, in a place that says, wow, like, you know, how lucky are we that now at this stage, we get to be students again at this part in our lives where we have older children or we have an eight-year-old now. And, you know, they're not, there's a, the height of expertise, I think there's something there about losing the shame of being a student and realizing that there's almost a fountain of youth there. The more you can allow yourself to say, man, I'm a, I'm a student. I will always hopefully be a student and be be delighted, you know, from, and it's true that in these conversations that we're talking about, I, I more than improving my own career as, as a, as a job seeker, I learned, how do I save for my kids' colleges? How do I, how do I, mm -hmm. you know, every, I, I looked at the people I was meeting like you as my secret strategy for helping to fill in the blanks of those things that I truly did not and continue to not know about in my life. That was one of my secret goals, you know, in every meeting is like, hey, there's something that Scott can teach me for sure. So, you know, embrace it with delight and make sure that he knows he is appreciated. You know, he is appreciated when, you know, we're, we're together. That respect and gratitude along with everything else as trite as it sounds has served me and the people I've, I've taught mm -hmm. very, very well because it's in very, very des desperately short supply, you know, right now. Definitely. That for me, that's been one of the great things about doing this podcast is mm. that while I lead a communication skills training organization, every single episode, I'm picking up something new, uh, right? a way to improve my skills, to help be a better leader for the organization or to communicate more effectively with the team work better in these dialogues. It's been just fascinating to, to learn from all the guests that, you know, this idea of always being curious, always being open to learning from every interaction that you have good, bad, or ugly. I'm going to learn something from it. Uh, and I, you know what I've been learning too, going down the rabbit hole of your previous episodes, I've been gaining tidbits and, and gems, you know, at every stage. And it's exactly like you said, you know, it's like looking through the, the wide variety of the people that you've been lucky enough to share with your listeners. You know, you can truly learn from every walk of life and every situation, you know, we're all we're all bound in some sense, you know, and we're all out there kind of as miniature Sherlock Holmeses, figuring out and, and puzzling together the pieces of this human nature. So if the if the thing that drives you is figuring out how to communicate better, to me, ultimately in my life, that has almost been a kind of secret channel to stay invested and curious about people in general, you know, to say, man, like, as long as I don't have a handle on this, and I hopefully never will, uh, as long as I can keep getting delighted by this, all of this comes from us. It comes from human beings, you know, and, and it's the most, by far the most interesting thing I've ever experienced in my life, you know, it keeps me in the game. Anish, as we wrap up, two things. One, what closing piece of advice would you have for somebody that's you know, perhaps in the job market, looking to make a transition, whatever it may be, 
And then two, for somebody that's looking to tap into that hidden job market, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? So the uh, the piece of advice I would have is something, again, magical I learned in the, in the acting days, which I use and teach to this day, called the as-if technique. And this is something that holds back a lot of people, um, especially in the interview side, because we try to sort of force our minds and our brains to become something that we're not ready for. So we say, look, you know what? Even though I haven't had an interview in two months, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be super quote-unquote confident. Your mind is going to instantly say, no way, pal, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so engage it in a game. You know, our brains love that process. So, hey, you know what, brain? I'm I'm a jiggling bag of nerves, okay? I am a jiggling bag of nerves. Maybe I will be fine. But can we pretend as if? Can we treat the process of getting ready for this thing and, and moving forward as though I already have three offers in front of me, as though 95% of my day is already spent with me advising companies, advising business leaders, negotiating offers, and now I've made 20 minutes on the advice of my career coach to what build a bridge with this person so just don't waste your time if mm -hmm. I, what would the what would i wear what would the habits that how would i wake up what breakfast would i eat the play the game not with the goal of winning the game but with the game of simply playing it and if possible maintaining some of that you don't need to maintain it all the way through an interview it'll probably be impossible to do so but if you can uh, maintain it even in the first 30 seconds it, that energy will set a tenor it'll set a template for you and oftentimes i have continued to be a bag of nerves but when you come in with your magic there right when you come in with a little bit of that energy that says i am here because i want to be i'm here because mm -hmm. i'm interested but i will never ever beg or do anything here to, to to do that we're here as equals right if i can set that tone tends to open up something on the other part and now i can feed off of your energy now we can we can have this a lot of times it has saved me by uh, by allowing me to say, all I need is that beginning. All I need is to show up in this call from a place of, of feeling good and, and, from, and from a place of strength. And that as if has, has really, really helped me. So the in terms of, of getting in touch with me, there's one link that I specifically want to share called tap the hidden job period market forward slash ASAP. Uh, and uh, for those who are interested, if you go over there, um, you can watch the latest masterclass that my team and I have put together. It's completely free. It's about 50 to 60 minutes long, but it will teach you uh, the exact five shifts of our strategy that our clients are using right now. So if you're on the hunt, if you're looking to do something better, no matter what your stage is, even if you're not, this will help you start implementing that and going deeper. Helloinish.com is also a place where you can go deeper with my career trainings and uh, videos. And uh, if you're on LinkedIn, I uh, would always appreciate a follow. I'm, I'm, I'm out there pretty much every day. And again, the impetus is sharing tips directly from the trenches and empowering as many people as we can with the details and the methodologies of what's actually working out there versus the stuff that we've been taught, you know, should work. You know, um, the, the opportunity and the challenge are exactly the same. You know, it's just two sides of the exact same coin. So, um, but I've, I've truly enjoyed this conversation, Scott. So, so I, I really, I'm, I'm feeling great talking about grat gratitude. I'm feeling grateful for that right, right here and now. Anish, thank you so much for all the information that you've shared today. I'll be sure to include those links for everyone in the show notes. Uh, so we'll be able to access them. Definitely connect, follow on LinkedIn. Anish, thank you again. Really enjoyed the conversation. So much fun. Learned a lot. I hope you have a great day. You too, my friend. Keep up the awesome work and, and keep bringing these, uh, these gems to light, man. Uh, it's been a pleasure. A special thanks again to my guest, Anish Majumdar. I always talk about how I love how communication skills are so transferable to all areas of life. And Anish really proved that in this episode. 
as the skills you use in an interview or a job search can easily be applied to a sales meeting, a call with your boss, or even at home with family. As always, if you haven't done so, please be sure to subscribe to Communicast so that you can be notified of new episodes. Thanks and have a great day.